0: Whether it's an alternate reality, distinct publishing line, or relaunch, The Man of Steel continues to be reconceived, from his origin to his final fate. Over this four-part event, we will journey from the Dark Knight universe to Earth-1, from the New 52 continuity to the Elseworld of Red Sun, as we explore whether the core of the character endures. This is Superman Reimagined. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss a selection of Elseworld stories, including The Dark Side and Red Sun, is returning guest, real-life Lobo cosplayer, Justin DeVoe. Welcome back, my friend.
1: I know you guys missed me. It's inevitable. What's up, man?
0: Listen, everybody, you've already seen it. You know the explicit tag is up for this episode. You know Justin is here. You know it's going to be flying in this
1: episode. Pause. Because... You needed to tag one on the last one because for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, in the history, the F-bomb. The F-bomb was dropped. So now you don't just have to blame me for the E. It was all you last time, but it was in a good spot because let's face it, it was totally warranted.
0: So you are referring to our our recent episode on uh, Superman Year One by Frank Miller. And yes, I did in anger and frustration drop an F-bomb in that episode, but I kind of follow the I follow like the the MPAA rules where a PG-13 movie gets one F-bomb. is allowed one. So yeah. I feel like damn it. in that sense, I was still <laughs> okay without the tag. Although in that exchange, I was talking to Bill and, and right after I dropped mine, he dropped his so that the episode did have more than one, but only one from me. So I, I feel like hey, it look, was okay.
1: One in how many episodes of the 17,000 podcasts you do, I'd say that's pretty damn good, especially when dealing with stuff that didn't resonate with you or upset you as a Superman fan.
0: Yeah, I, again the the Frank Miller stuff was was rough, but I appreciate that people seemed excited about the episode, even if they weren't excited about the the Frank Miller works themselves. I, I take that as a huge compliment, yeah. so thank you. And and so that was part of this event that we are now finishing here, Superman Reimagined. We've had this four episode swing, looking at again these reimaginings, these 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 reconceptions of. of the character of Superman, and we've done, again, the the Millerverse, we've done Earth-1, we've done New 52, and now here we are for our our little finale. So specifically what we read, again, Superman Red Son, the 2003 three-issue miniseries written by Mark Miller, drawn by Dave Johnson and Killian Plunkett. Uh, We also have the three-parter The Dark Side from 1998 by John Francis Moore and Kieran Dwyer, and then we had a pair of one-shots. So from 1993, the the classic Elseworlds story, Speeding Bullets, by J.M. Mateus and Eduardo Barreto. And from 1999, Superman Incorporated by Steve Vance and the legendary Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Now, not, not to not to start off on a negative note right from, from the beginning, but uh, <laughs> Superman Incorporated was so forgettable to me even before I read it. I can't tell you how many times in advance of this episode I was like, okay, I did everything I needed to do for this episode. Right. And then I was like, oh, damn it. I still didn't read Incorporated. Yeah. Multiple times this happened before I even read it. And then yeah. I read it. And unfortunately, I think the forgettable designation stays. This was the one where where uh, Clark grows up to become this Like an athlete. all
1: sport. He was Bo Jackson post-Bo Jackson. Like he did everything. He won these awards. He was... He hit 82 home runs, which when you think about it, like years later, like Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, they all ended up hitting that. So that's fairly terrestrial at this point. Um, But I agreed where it was like, I get it. Like it's a standalone story. And for what it is, and I'm sure we'll get into it. It was good to read once. And then I'm like, all right, I don't need to read it anymore. I did take some pretty interesting hue from it, but. That because you're an evil genius played into just about everything else that we had to read, which I also thought was really cool. Let me talk about Elseworlds for a moment here. <laughs> so I know that's your favorite kind of story. Um,
0: so I've mentioned Elseworlds a bunch here and there, you know, over the course of this podcast. And normally when I do, I I, I have been a little bit facetious about it and and a little a little flip. In my descriptions, I think I've often said, you know, I don't know what they really tell us about the character. It's like, oh, what if Superman were raised in the Soviet Union? Well, he'd be a communist. What if he were communist, raised by Darkseid? Right. Well, he would be, a, you know, a, you know, one of Darkseid's soldiers. It's like, what does that really tell us? And yes, there is more to it than that. But uh, the, the, the takeaway is that, yeah, I've never been really all that captivated by Elseworlds. I understand why creators are interested in doing those stories. And I understand right. my fans get excited. I do think that
1: yeah, it's a curveball.
0: Yeah, I I do. Th- I do think that the some of the scenarios are cool. I think I a lot of times I don't often find that the the, the execution, the total story really feels so worth it to me. Right. And I, ca- I can draw a line, right? Because I've talked about Kingdom Come, right? And I love Kingdom Come. And I think for me, when we sort of start with quote unquote, our Superman up to a certain point, and then something changes and we see what happens and we have that divergence from the traditional story, but we're still starting with our Superman. I'm definitely more engaged by that. And Kingdom Come is a perfect example.
1: Holy shit. I wrote down the opposite because all of these stories that we read for homework are all the opposite. And that's why I like them. I like when they start off with a different one and they end up coming back to the Superman that we know because he's, he's the incorruptible force. So, and we said it on um, the injustice podcast, you said the same thing. He's raised by dark side. He's going to be loyal to dark side. Right. But then at the end of all of these, of all of these books, there's a switch to wanting to help humanity. All of them, even the movie version, but like the animated version which you have to watch those as two different things. They're both called Red Sun, but there's so many drastic differences between the two, especially with like Lex. Yes. Lex is completely fucking different in both. And leave it to Millar to like, again, a lot of his stuff I like. Like I like Super Crooks. I actually like, um, I like Jupiter's Legacy. A lot of that stuff I like, but his label is also called Millar World. So there's a certain sense of like, I'm going to, you know, do that. In order to kind of get my point across. But I actually like the opposite. I like when it starts with a dark Superman. I don't even need to see him get that way. I don't because we all see how they fucked it up with injustice, right? Yeah. Like, and it was totally unjustified. And one of your other guests, it might have been Scott or somebody. I don't know, but someone brought it up that like it wasn't justified enough. Like if someone kills Lois, they'd be like, all right, well, I'm hurt. I might kill the Joker, but I'm not going to enslave the human race for it.
0: Yes, for sure. I think definitely with respect to Injustice and that animated adaptation in particular, the execution left a lot to be desired. But I guess going into it, I was definitely more primed to be open to it because it was quote unquote, our Superman to a point. Now, you're right. All the ones that we read for this episode are the opposite, right? So Red Sun, Kal-El's rocket lands in the Soviet Union in Speeding Bullets, Kal-El is found by Thomas and Martha Wayne, Superman Incorporated. He's found by this traveling salesman and then adopted by a couple and then he, again, becomes this celebrity yeah. athlete. And in The Dark Side, his rocket is intercepted and lands on Apocalypse yep. and he's raised by Dark Side. So these are flipping the script from from the jump. And right. the reason why I wanted to cover these is A, to challenge myself and B, to sort of try to address this question of if you are changing the character from, from the point of that rocket landing, what what still does remain the same so what what can we kind of point to as the ultimate right. core of the character that will shine through regardless of who he's raised by now it's and you'll love this that being said
1: right. yes i was waiting for it
0: justin has pinpointed that that's that's my when <laughs> i'm going to express <laughs> a negative opinion i start with that tell. being said <clears Yeah>. so <laughs> i i smile every time i say that on the show even if i don't nice. address it verbally i'm smiling to myself <laughs> as i say it but in all of these stories, and I, you know, we'll we'll talk about them. But I think one theme that emerges is the effect that the people around him have in him. in getting him to to exactly. sort of see the light. The where again, it falls a little short for me. Is that? And I know, I maybe mean, I think I'm being a little a little harsh here, but it's that's still not really telling me anything I don't already know. Like I'm going to quote Smallville as I do all the time.
1: Right. Right.
0: And it, from the series finale, when Jor-El says to Clark, your abilities may be of my blood, but it was your time in Smallville with Jonathan and Martha Kent and all the people there that made you a hero. It's it's the time in Smallville that that makes him this hero. It's it's Lois. It's the other people around him that, uh, you know, I guess that keep him that way and sustain right. him. So, again, I feel like we already know that. So, I, again, I enjoy, I and mean, for the most part, I enjoyed these stories, but I think just right. from a fundamental Level, I think that's the problem that I kind of have with Elseworlds
1: and with these kinds of Elseworlds stories. See, that's so weird, because in my opinion, it was no matter where you find Superman, no matter what situation he grew up in or what or what, you know, hurdles that he jumped over the course of his life, he's always going to be a protector of the people. You put him in the worst place possible. He got trained. He kicked the shit out of Calabac. He's like, I'm going to lead everybody. And in the end, he goes to Earth, feels bad for them, and ends up like gaining the trust of the people that he tried to kill with um, the uh, Omega bomb and stuff like that. And then he's like, fuck it. I got to protect it. And then lives happily ever after. Like To me, I don't want him to change at the end because that would, negative flag, that would negatively affect my outlook on the character. I like the fact that You can put him in any situation and he's always going to have this change of heart, even without the fence side talks with his dad. Right. Like he's always going to be that. Now, the fence side talks, I believe, help him in uh, in current continuity. But he just gets that from people. So I think when you don't change that, that kind of always makes me go "Yeah," because he's fucking Superman, but he's always going to be that guy. So the thing is,
0: I get that. Like, I, I do get that perspective. And, I, you know, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't try to convince you otherwise. But yeah, right. I think for me, and, you know, we talked about this on 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 our recent episode when we covered For All Seasons, uh, when we yeah. did our, our Tim Sale tribute. And it's, for me, it does always go back to Smallville and that time on the farm and the influence of the Kents. And it's like, and I know I've said this so many times on the show, but this this impossible question of, like, who could possibly have this power and use it selflessly, and it's it's Superman, but it's Clark, right? It's the Clark that was right. that was raised on that farm. That's the key to unlocking that question. And yeah. you know, Lois similarly is is a key in, in terms of, of keeping him grounded and, and in touch with his humanity. Batman is a key as well. I you know, I think this question that we've right. we've gotten at a lot, especially when we talk about Lex Luthor, right? Like someone who has this power, how could you possibly leave that person unchecked? Right, quoting one of the stories that we discussed, it's like even if you believe him that he won't abuse his power, h- how can you accept that? How can you how can you trust that? I think Batman is the key. The fact like Superman trusting with that kryptonite ring, if anything ever went awry, like you know Batman, like, so, like that unlocks. So I feel like those fundamental pieces of the story and those people and the roles that they play are the keys to like unlocking and understanding the character. Right. So when you you know sort of sort of twist it and take it away, and especially take away the the upbringing with the Kents. Again, I totally get what you're saying. And I I think there is something, you know, very fundamental and elemental that is appealing about that, right? Like this core, right. whether it's just a, the, the spirit that's within him, whether it's the influence of his birth parents, I mean, that could be an argument. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that that heroism can still, can still come through, can still shine through, uh, despite the worst of circumstances. There is something about that. I think I can't get totally on board, but I, I, I get it. I do get it.
1: Right, yeah. And that's what I I enjoy. I think I enjoy him as we know him, though, where he gets that from his birth parent. I, I mean, um, uh, from Jonathan and Martha. Like, I like that more, right? So it's not always in him. I do like that about the stories. But when you guys were talking about, like, his talks, But when you rallied against uh, Mr. Oz, which was hilarious, by the way, I was like, yeah, I know Anthony's not going to like that shit Um, because like, what the fuck kind of upheaval was that? But anyway. Um, And there's also stuff that that Clark does that we don't see even in Thought Bubble. That still protects people. Because every once in a while, that gets dropped. For instance, in the last episode I just listened to, your guests talk about, like, why's Plastic Man there, right? He's kind of like the, sh- um, in um uh, in one of the animated versions, I think of the Frank Miller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's been quoted before. I've got to find the fucking panel because I remember it. Where they asked him the same thing. And Superman's like, because he's the most dangerous person here. He's completely undestructible. Like he can wrap around somebody and like take all the air out of their lungs. So he keeps them around to watch them. Now he didn't warn anybody else. It's like, he's going around putting up flyers and shit like that. But like, he knows to protect all people at all times. And it's just like, God damn, that's gotta be a headache. And that's why I like when sometimes he's like, I'm going to go hang out with a polar bear. Like I can't do all of it. Like, uh, like I need a break. Like in, um, and uh, the book Red Sun, like he's not listening to stuff that's going on because he's making a statue. Like, it's just what he wants. He just wants to fucking make a statue. And it's just like, I like those little moments where he turns off because he knows he can't. But if he doesn't, I guess you get one of these, you know, elsewhere stories where he's like, well, fuck everybody.
0: Yeah. So, on the note of these Elseworld stories, I'm sure we'll spend most of our time on Red Sun. It's Red Sun, it's yeah. one of the most classic Elseworlds stories. Again, it did have a relatively recent animated adaptation. You know, this is the one of the ones that I think you'll always find on comic shop shelves, and will always yep. be recommended. And I, I get why. I, I don't dis, I don't you know take issue with that. Yeah. But let's talk about let's talk about Speeding Bullets first. Okay. Actually, if we're going chronologically, that is that is the oldest one. So right. Again, this is a story where. Kal-El is found by Thomas and Martha Wayne. And, you know, the story, you know, still follows, then follows the traditional, you know, the the the, the moment of the killing of the Waynes and, yep. and Clark ultimately becomes Batman. But he's, you know, he's a, a child who, you know, a very childlike adult who still hasn't processed his 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 trauma. And when he becomes... His
1: powers, yeah. Yeah,
0: he's repressed his powers. He's, which actually between... Uh, that and Superman Incorporated, they had that in common too. The fact that he had used his powers briefly as a child and, yep. and, uh, you know, in and these, then blocked it out and then blocked it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, when he becomes Batman, right, there's, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of violence and it's ultimately Lois's influence, right. Where he's right. going to kill Lex slash Joker, uh, where she's able to get through to him. And they'd had this conversation about how he, you know, the Batman should be using his abilities. Uh, to to inspire and not punish. And, yeah. you know, he ultimately sees the light and he's in a version of the Superman costume by the end of the story.
1: I actually took a picture of that when I was reading it because ah. it was such a good part. When she's like, like, like Batman might not, but Bruce Wayne does. And they have like this really, really nice moment where, again, it ties back to like, she's always his anchor, right? Yeah. Like her or his family or whatever, like, They're like the cosmic couple that's always going to meet. And she can always do the thing where she talks them down. Yeah. So what did you think of, of speeding bullets? Did you enjoy it? So here's my issue with speeding bullets, right? There wasn't enough Superman to be Superman. But there was too much Batman. Like, does that make sense? Like, he gets there. His name's already Bruce Wayne. He kind of handles things the same way. He has no investment in his company. No, nothing like that. Um, ends up doing the vigilante thing after they break into his house. He's like, well, fuck that. Like this can't happen. He's angry and, 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 and violent, just like Batman. And then at the end, he's like, yo, you know, I found my wings or whatever. And he ends up in a Superman suit, but I didn't, I didn't. And I liked that story. Like I really did, but I didn't like it because it was a Superman becoming Batman story. It was almost like a Batman and Superman side by side i don't know like it's weird to explain like i liked it but it wasn't it was like all batman it was it was all bruce wayne the whole fucking time until that last part where he kind of shows you superman and they're like roll credits like it just wasn't enough
0: of the dichotomy between the two for me uh i i totally get what you're saying because i think that was the, the issue that i had with it as well where when the when the waynes are murdered you know Young Bruce does use his heat vision in this yeah. in this outburst and and kills the, the mugger and then blocks out that memory and suppresses his powers right. until he's an adult and he has this awakening and then he re-enters public life and he dons this Batman persona. So, it's not that the powers don't matter at all but it's really pretty tangential. Like like you know, that's definitely those are definitely a couple of key moments, but for the rest of the story the fact that he's Kal-el from Krypton really doesn't matter all that
1: much. That's that's what I mean, right? Like, there's no like he's he's got superpower. That's it. Like, it makes no difference who the fuck he was before because he's just Bruce Wayne. It's Superman as Bruce Wayne. Where if you put them at a costume, especially in the art, it's the same fucking guy, right?
0: And the I guess the other thing too is that the the emotional arc feel like is the same, whether it's Clark or Bruce, right? Their parents are murdered. There's all this anger. They're it's taking true. it out on yeah. people and they need right. to find a better way. Like that was literally just the Batman movie that we saw, right? Where Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's um, so brutal. And then like he comes to find by the end of it, it's like, oh, I, I can inspire something in people. I mean, right. So you could tell the story with, with either one. This is, I think the, the biggest problem I had with it. And I love DiMatteis as a writer, but it. And, and I, look, in fairness, like it was his story to tell, not mine. But as I'm reading those opening pages, and and we're we're you know we're reading uh, Lo, what we find out ultimately is Lois's narration about Bruce's upbringing. Uh, but there's all of this about how Thomas really was nurturing uh, Bruce's mind, right, as he was as he was growing up, and and Martha right. was you know cultivating his his spirit and his kindness and everything. And I say to myself, like if you have the opportunity to tell the story of, of raised by the Waynes, there's so many interesting questions, right? Like Thomas is this brilliant surgeon. Yeah. Might he inspire slash teach his son such that when this Bruce grows up, he's using his, his x-ray vision and his heat vision to perform surgeries and save people in that way. Like there's so many, like that's not to get too fired up here, but like, that's what kind of bothered me about this. It's like, there's such a, it's a world of difference between being raised by these, you know, very, you know, down to earth, simple farmers, down that, you know,
1: home, corn said,
0: yeah, right. Uh. Versus, you know, this, the upper echelon of, of society and, and yeah. science and wealth uh, in Gotham city. And I don't feel like that, that really played out in any meaningful way. And, and this is, I guess, somewhat of maybe a little bit of the flip of what you were saying, but I think gets at the same problem where bruce in this story he buys the gotham gazette and he like he brings in perry white and lois Lane. so it's again it's like this it's like basically just bruce wayne but then it's running in the superman cast like yeah i don't know it didn't it didn't
1: totally work for me and then i think he should have stayed in more of a batman costume because he's got a quote in it that means like you should have amalgamated to two costumes because it's like a standalone page. I think it was on the back because it talked about one of the quotes. And he's like, uh, he says, can you see them? Can you see my brothers? No, of course you can't, but I can. I can see things, here, things no one else can. I could spread my wings and fly through the shadows of the night. I know myself at last. So why would he change his outfit, right? Like if that was such a prolific moment for him, that he's like, I can hear them. They can hear me. No one else can hear him. I finally found my wings and he's comfortable with like flying and stuff. Why the fuck would he go back into a Superman outfit? Like at the end, like at least make it a bat Superman outfit. Like, it wasn't, like he had the little thing or whatever, but like it wasn't, he just turned back into fucking Superman. Now I just said, I like when we get our Superman at the end, but I like the personality going back. They literally just took fucking Bruce Wayne the entire time. I was like, fuck it, throw him in a Superman costume. And that was the end. And it was just like, but like you said, there was so much more that they could have did in terms of putting the two together. And it seemed, I don't want to call it lazy writing, but it seems like, all right, we're just going to make him Bruce Wayne. We'll make Lex the Joker for the first, you know, 30 pages. And in the last two, he's Superman. and People are going to love that because Elseworlds at the time was the shit. Like everyone want to read that. Amalgam Comics, like they all wanted to read that stuff. What if? So it was just like, yeah, I don't know. And it was good, but I would definitely wouldn't recommend it or read it again. I would bring it up in conversation when someone's like, "Oh, should I read?" It? I'm like, "I just told you the whole fucking thing." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not it's not good enough for someone to read it, but it is good enough for someone to tell you about it. I guess if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough because I I I don't know. I've always gotten the sense that this was generally remembered well by fans. So I definitely went into it with with higher hopes i was like oh like because I've, I've never read this i i, had, yeah. I hadn't said this before but uh, of the stories we read i guess i had read the dark side uh when it came out but i mean that was so long ago and yeah. actually the same thing with red sun you know red sun weirdly falls into the same category as kingdom come for me you know both these iconic elseworld stories over 20 or almost 20 years old in the case yeah. of red sun at this point where i read them right around the time that they came out. In both cases, I didn't read the single issues as they were coming out, but then I read the trades immediately thereafter. Enjoyed both stories. Right. They're always referenced. Yet for some reason, I had never gone back to them. I, I, I couldn't really tell you why. Uh, and it doesn't have to do with my general aversion to Elseworlds, because again, those right. I mean those two definitely made an impression and a, and a positive yeah. one. But for whatever reason, it was like just like with Kingdom Come. But anyway, yeah. is there anything else about speeding
1: bullets that you wanted to
0: say before we no, jump to a quick I, commercial break?
1: And again, I liked it. I did. I liked it. But before someone, I mean, I guess I would recommend it, but I'd be like, listen, he's pretty much Bruce Wayne through the whole time, but there's some key points with him and Lois and there's beautiful quotes in it. You can read it for that. But otherwise there's not much substance to the story to make you be like, I got to read it because the story's good. It's like we said, he's Bruce Wayne for 30 pages and then Superman for two. And that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that was speeding bullets. We'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll dive into the, to the other three stories. We'll be right back. Acme comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine time Eisner award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey city. Hang on to your shorts in Asbury park point lookout on long Island and in the cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at FilmFreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah! for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit comics.com and follow All Yeah! on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Aw Yeah! And we're back. Hey, while we are doing some plugs, can you tell people about this, this new podcast that you're on
1: the not so secret oh, dad's business? Yeah. Uh, it's just dad's talking shit. Um, and a lot of times it's about just like men stuff or, or, or stuff that like men have to go through like health problems. And there's a lot of tangents and it is, it is F bomb galore. And there's some cr- like, but it's more casual. Like for this, I have notes and like, I'm looking at them because you demand not not in a bad way you and your fans and your guests are like i have 42 pages worth of homework and i was like i can't go on and just be like dick and pussy and shit like i can't do that because there actually needs to be substance but it's fun it's on uh podcasts and spotify and shit like that so i mean if you want to check it out yeah i do yes. help people
0: check out your podcast so coming back now to these elseworld stories that we read Uh, I guess let's keep going chronologically because, you know, the dark side is very interesting. Again, I read this at the time. I thought it was a cool idea. You know, rereading it, I felt like it held up fairly well. I am most grateful for it more than anything (laughs) for seemingly inspiring the two part series finale of Superman, the animated series legacy, where Superman is captured and brainwashed by dark side and sent to Earth leading this invading force. Right. And I mean, it really sets up a very bittersweet, dramatic conclusion to the series, even though that wasn't intended to be the end of the series, but yes. uh, where, you know, Superman has lost the trust of, of a lot of the people. And right. it, it was a really powerful note to go out on. Now, those episodes, like that's the sweet spot for me because it's not, oh, we're just, you know, coming up with this Elseworld story. Like that was in the context of that character and yes. that story. He's been brainwashed. He's been made to think. That he landed on Apocalypse and grew up there. But that's not the not case right. and he has to find his way back. So for me, like that's that's the ideal version of that story. But again, it really preserves a lot of those same, you know, a lot of the same beats. And the look, I do, that is probably my favorite thing from that. I love the, yeah. the, the Apocalypse armor look armor. for Superman in that, that
1: story. That ends up weighing him down when he lands, which I was like, holy shit, right? Because like you know, different atmospheres, different weights and stuff like that. It was like, he was fucked. He was like, I got to take this shit off or I'm going to drown. You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was really cool. And I like different looks. Like, for instance, right now, know that you're not a huge Disney guy, but so Disney Mirrorverse, and believe me, this is going somewhere. So Disney Mirrorverse is essentially like another, like a multiversal thing where all your Disney heroes are actually warriors and I got to fight these fractured things or whatever. I like different looks to people. Like, I'm okay with costume changes because I like... Like different, like, you know, if you turn Sully into like a shield bearing warrior and like, fuck it. Like, I like that stuff because there's always stuff from the original character that remains. So I do like when they like screw with that stuff, because I think it's just interesting where an artist gets to be like, okay, I got to take this and take that and come up with something. So I do like those little costume changes. I think they're really cool.
0: Yeah, the look, the look was really cool. I liked it a lot. Uh, I mean, what did you think about the story generally? What stood out to you about it?
1: Um. Can we just say that Bibbo is just every man? I fucking love that guy, dude. I have a standalone Bibbo in Lobo comic, and even Lobo likes that guy. Like that Popeye-looking motherfucker. Like everybody likes that dude. Um, I did like it. I liked there was – I like he shows up, and he's like, I'm going to kick the shit out of Calibac, and now everything is – my. like he goes right into being that guy. Like there was no – he didn't even think about it. And then he lands on, or, and of course the, like, and, and then, and then, you know, he runs into Lois. He has this moment with people. Um, I did like how at the end, all hope was lost until Orion shows up and then was like, holy shit, they're going to win. And then dark side beats the shit out of both of them. And it turns out that there's a sacrifice that he needs and stuff like that. And he creates this utopia on apocalypse, right? Like, am I remembering that right?
0: Yeah, it ends with him. Or, yeah, and it, it ends with him and Barda on Apocalypse planting. Yeah. Like he becomes mm-hmm. a farmer. I, that was yeah. a nice. That was a very fitting
1: end for for this version yeah. of the character. And so something like that. And again, because I like the turn where you can always trust him, even though people don't. Because like you said, he's got this this amazing power where he can do anything, and he decides to use it to help people. And that's that to me is like, man, I wish that shit was real. And, you know what I'm saying? Like I wish that you can have faith in someone that much, who has all that power. Instead, the power people that we have are usually scumbags, and it's just like, oh man, like this guy's a really good guy, and then you find out he's on a fucking island with like underage kids, and you're like, come on, man, like is anybody good anymore? It's 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 crazy. But he always, I love Superman stories because dude always makes me smile, right? Like, he's always, that's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Like, that's him all day, every day. And that's why I guess a lot of people are like, that's boring, right? Like, that's shit. Like, I don't like that stuff. Give me some Elsewhere stuff, which Morrison was actually quoted for saying he doesn't like when they make the super, they don't like when they make the Superman trope, where it's like, well, just turn him evil. He's like, that's easy. They're like, fuck. They're like, that's easy. And I'm like, they're not wrong. Now, different incarnations I like. I love Homelander. Because he's got something else going on. He is a Superman archetype, but he's crazy, right? He's got all this shit going on. He's very different in the book that he is in the show. I love Plutonian and Irredeemable. I love that. Um, nice little twist at the end of that series too. Um, so I just like that. Like if I feel down, like I could read a, like I could go and pick any Superman book and just be like, dude, like I'm I'm relaxed now. And I think that's the greatest gift that superman gives to people in general
0: Agreed. well to answer the question that you posed uh, a minute ago i'll quote batman v superman and bruce wayne at the end of that movie men are st- men are still good uh, <laughs> even which if it we also kind of see way. in
1: red sun but we'll get there when we start talking about red sun
0: yeah but no i agree i mean that's the thing i, I i'm with you i don't i don't really have an issue with the the analogs the the homelanders or the plutonians yeah. or, or whatever it is i you know uh, th- th- that's, you know, I- I'm on board with those. Yeah. And I think, cause I, I think I know that interview you were talking about. And I think, I mean, maybe Morrison was talking about those, those versions too, but I think in particular, like they were talking about when Superman himself goes bad. And I agree. I mean, those are the, so- I don't it's
1: all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like it's overused.
0: Yeah. And, and also again, like we've talked about so much on the show, a driving theme is that what one of the things, but the core thing that, <laughs> that makes this character so unique and interesting is that he has this power and uses it for good. So if you break him, right, and just have him have him use that power selfishly or in an evil way, right. it just takes away, you know, the most fundamental aspect. And, you know, yeah. again, even in a story like, you know like injustice where they give you, I think if, if there's anything that's gonna set him off, yeah, it would probably be the death of Lois and their unborn child. But even you know, even there, we you know we, yeah, we did a whole episode that on that. Be, like that was yeah.
1: that was yeah, that was rough. And that's why I'm behind Morrison uh in that aspect, because they're right. Like it's such an easy thing to be like fucking make Superman evil and watch what happens. Like, they're just sick of it at this point, and it was a great quote. It was like, I think it's easy, I think it's a really good cop out for people just to push a Superman book. He's not wrong. he's not it's like saying um like now the big thing is the multiverse right but now you can play with that stuff so it's not an evil superman as much as hey that superman's either uh a la earth Two, right where it's Ultraman, which is weird because it's superwoman and she's so like i don't know which one is supposed to be which who gives a shit um if it's a completely different one i don't expect him to be good because he's over there like, it's not an else world thing. St- like, there's another world that's over there, and on that one, he's this. And on that one, he's that. And on that one, he's that. I like that. I don't have a problem with that. But I just don't like... And Injustice, I dug. But after talking to you and after listening to shows and seeing Morrison's quote, I'm like, I guess, yeah. I mean, like, how many more times can you tell, you know, oh, Superman's mad and he's going to level the world? He wouldn't even do that. I think after Lois's death, yeah, he'll probably kill the Joker, which we've been over. He'll kill the Joker and then fly to... Like, 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 and fly to the Fortress of Solitude to hang out for a year. Like, he would just leave and be like, I can't be around people right now because I don't like people. Right. Which is like, all right. Uh,
0: Going back to to the dark side, you know, I guess what I was tracking most in reading the story was what what is bringing this version of the character over to the side of, of good. Right. And I think you get a few. Because he's yeah. again, he starts off as the soldier of Darkseid. He's in the arena, like you said, killing Calabac in front of everyone with no hesitation, no remorse. He essentially annihilates the planet of New Genesis. And High yeah. Father is able to send a bunch of, of those new gods to Earth you know Away, to safety. Yeah. But you know, Superman is ultimately responsible for the destruction of a planet.
1: Yeah. And like their home.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, at the end of that first issue and moving forward, we get now that these few pieces that are going to sort of turn him. So Highfather has this moment with him where, you know, because the kal has been, you know, made to think that he was born on, on Apocalypse, the son of Darkseid, right. and and Highfather shows him, no, this is where you came from. This is where you were yeah. headed. You were diverted. Uh, and I think that... Like, intercepted.
1: Like, yeah. yeah. Intercepted. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, shit, we crashed into each other. Like, they yanked that motherfucker right out of the sky.
0: I do. And it was just... And I like that that bit with this Elseworlds story. Not that it really makes much of a difference, but it's not you know in Speeding Bullets he just happens to land
1: in yes. Gotham. Here yeah. it's and like the Red no, Sun he was suppo- happens to la- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. here it's like no, there was actually this force. You know, it's kind of anyway. Like you could have told this story in in the regular comics through time travel, and then you, sure. you would have had to undo it. But anyway, uh, so he has this moment with High Highfather, and, and I think that starts to get the wheels turning. And then he has like you were saying this adventure on Earth, and again the effect of people. Right. Lois saves him. He lands in the river and she pulls him out. Uh, he then has this opportunity to defend her from intergang. She's, you know, she's investigating them. Yep. You mentioned uh, Bibbo and Jimmy. Right. There's this whole this whole bit where, you know, there there's this burning building and they're going in to help people like their mm. example seems to, you know, I- elicit something in in Superman. Uh, then eventually, of course, you know, it gets, you know, we find out that uh, this part was particularly interesting to me that it apparently, the Kryptonians had the anti-life equation and that they mm. hid it within Superman's genetic codes, which
1: Yeah, that's
0: that was the piece of it that I don't know what to make of it because if we're if we're saying that there's this innate core that perhaps at least in part comes from his birth parents that accounts for the heroism, well how do we reconcile that with the fact that they I mean, I guess like we don't know. There. Like, we don't know their intentions with the anti-life equation. Were they right. were they protecting it? Were they trying to keep it away from people who would misuse it? Were they hoping that you know their baby would use it wherever he ended up? I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, but like, they just got lucky that he he had a change of heart, right? Because if he had it and he got intercepted, probably reason why right that he ends up there. It's like we got to take this shit out of this dude. The game would have been completely different. Yeah, if you would have did it there. Right. Like if you would have did it there, you had a completely different story. Shit would have been over in five pages. Um, Yeah. But I like why do that unless you want to send it to Earth to make it disappear. And like, oh, well, he'll just hide amongst the people because they didn't know. Oh, I mean, I guess in different incarnations are like you're going to be awesome there because of the yellow sun. So like, yeah, well, when he gets there, he can protect himself from just about, you know, fucking everything. So why not? It kind of has the hues of the Snyder cut of Justice League where it was like, it's always been there. But again, Superman is there now. So it's like, well, we can protect it now. So it's a, I think it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like Maxwell Lord slash Dreamstone, right? Like one is him and the other one is kind of just walking around. I kind of like that though, that it's in him. Like, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned the Snyder movies. I mean, the idea, you know, in man of steel, we got this idea that the the Kryptonian codex right is, is embedded within him. So yep. a similar thing here. With, yeah, it's the yeah. anti-life equation instead. And, and so of course when Darkseid realizes that then he you know, tortures you know, Superman to extract this from him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by this point in the story now, Superman is, uh, you know, trying to, trying to stop Darkseid and ultimately does, like you said, he fights yep. alongside the, uh, the gods of new Genesis and, and yes, light Ray has to make the sacrifice, but yep. is able to share his power with Superman. And that's enough
1: for Superman to right. defeat Darkseid uh so yeah which i, mean, I kind of like that it wasn't just superman right because yeah. he uh like it's his book so of course he's always gonna like win the day and shit but in this situation it's like like you needed help like dark side is that much of a motherfucker that like you needed help and even though orion turned the tide initially when he got there like dark side just steps off and he's like all right like now like now we're gonna fight and it did not go well so it was just like he couldn't do it on his own which kind of plays into the fact that, like, maybe he didn't know he could, right? You spend that much time on Apocalypse, there might have been, like, a hesitation about, like, I can't do it, right? Or I've seen him in action so much that even if Superman was stronger, he's seen this dude do horrible shit. And he's just like, I can't take on that dude. So maybe it was a little bit of that, like, um, and I don't know how hard I hit or can hit kind of thing. So I kind of like that he needed help because he would take it. He's not one of them guys that's like, no, I'll, I'll do it on my own. And if he does um he's usually talked out of it pretty quickly it's like no dude like we all got to do this because you're not gonna be able to do it and he's always like well i don't want to put anybody in danger and the response is always like we want to go like you can't stop us from going and he's never like well i'm gonna you know speed off and shit i'm gonna lock you guys in he's always like all right we'll fucking come man. yeah
0: i i think that Again, overall, I enjoy this. I think the concept of this is really cool. And like I said, I think what the animated series did is the ultimate realization of the potential of the story. The, I guess the question I have is, yes, he, he has this moment with High Father. he has these moments with Lois and Jimmy and Bibbo. I don't, I'm skeptical that that would be enough to turn him, given the upbringing that he supposedly had.
1: And, Unless, yeah. Okay, no, no, no. Okay.
0: No, and I guess that's the other thing where, not to rewrite the story, but much like with speeding bullets, I felt like there was a missed opportunity here where we don't get to see any of his his this tutelage under Dark Side. I mean, you can imagine right. how horrific it would be, brutal. Yeah, of course. And I feel like it would have been interesting to to see a little bit more of that. And I, but even without seeing it. I think we can imagine what it would be like. And so to be essentially like brainwashed for that amount yeah. of time. See,
1: in I don't know. Is it brainwashing though? If we know and we've said in the past that wherever Superman goes, he's gonna give his all for that place. Maybe because he's just inherently like that. I don't know if it's brain like I don't think I don't think you can consider that brainwashing. A la like he lands in Russia becomes like a Marxist, becomes a communist and stuff like that. He tries to level the playing field with the world. I don't know if that's brainwashing. I think it's just like fuck it, he's ours now. Let's 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 raise him this way. I think the brainwashing is almost opposite, where you can do that, but as soon as you put him around people that he feels like he needs to protect, he's going to snap out of that.
0: All right, fair enough. Yeah, all right. I'll walk back to brainwashing indoctrinated though. At, at y'all definitely.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Especially if. It's well. See now, your point makes sense, especially if it was that quick. Like he had like a couple situations or whatever. That quick to be like, no, I need to protect this place. I'm, I'm. I want to say that it's because it's his nature throughout every comic, right? It's just his nature. Is, it's the way it is. But that's a lot of like Winter Soldier esque, you know, Manchurian Candidate shit that was going on. And it's just like, unless he's just embedded to be a good person. Maybe, like, that's what he – like, maybe in this situation, that's all he needed was to see, like, holy shit, like, these people are, are like, ants. Like, this is crazy. Like, if I don't protect them, like, maybe it was, like, you know, your classic turn. I think if you made it into a series, it would have made a little more – because I would have liked to see the training, right? Especially because I want to see how bad it got, and then I want to see a little bit more of why, like, he made the turn outside of being, like, fucking Bibbo's the coolest and shit like that. I I don't know. (laughs) I definitely would have liked to see more.
0: You know what? I I was talking about this idea of, you know, keys earlier. Maybe Bibbo is the key here. Bibbo is awesome. So maybe just seeing Bibbo. He seems to be the
1: key for fucking everybody. Like that dude is like, he represents, I think, good comic book readers. Like we're not heroes, but like we would be because we're so inspired by what we see. You know, dude owns a bar. He's like rough and shit like that. Like they made him come and they made him look exactly like Popeye. And it's just like, but he's always fair, right? And he's always a hero, even when he doesn't need to be. And I kind of like that. Like he's what I hope I would be if there was cape superheroes flying around. Like I wouldn't let him do everything for me. I would still, you know, protect people even if I knew they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the, you know, I
0: think the the ultimate everyman. I mean, it, you know, that's the yeah. thing because when you look at the you know the Metropolis supporting cast, I mean, you know, like Lois and ah, I even throw in Jimmy there, but you know, they're. You know they're heroes in their own right in different ways, but you know mm-hmm. Bibo is really the, the the common man on the street, and he is yeah. he is inspired as well. So and well, moved, it, and moved it, to action by what he sees from Superman.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because we have a whole conversation about how low um, how Lois is a hero. She puts herself in shit, and she's not always sure that Superman's going to come get her. Like remember the when we went over uh, the animated series that Lobo was in and was parasite. Yeah, Dude, yeah, she yeah. was like five feet away, taking pictures of him. Like, you know, he can feel that, right? She just doesn't care. Like, she's got a job to do, for sure. Um, and and that's why I like the animated version of Red Sun a little bit more, I think. But again, like, we'll get to that. Yeah, but I I like that. I did. I think out of the three homework assignments, I think that one was probably my favorite one. Because again, Speeding Bullets was awesome. Batman, uh, Superman Incorporated was you know, at best, like, go, oh, shit, I found it in my stack. I'm going to read it. All right. So he would be a sports star. Like, of course, he'd be a fucking sports star.
0: Yeah. Well, well I want to get I'm to kind that. of a prick. Yeah. Well, let me just say the last thing about the dark side is and I don't mean to keep harping on the animated series, but it because I rewatched the scene from from Legacy from Superman, the animated series where where Clark snaps out of it where he's leading this assault against earth and then Lois intercepts him and she's like, Hey, and it snaps him out of it now. And that was an instance where he was there. He was literally brainwashed, right? He was reprogrammed and made to think he had lived on on apocalypse, but the emotional connection, the history with Lois was there and that was enough to snap him out of it in the dark side. Again, it's not a matter of snapping out of brainwashing, but he has this, this change of heart. And, as much as I think we can, we can, we have to pin a lot on the influence of these people he meets on earth. There's oh, yeah. still no, there's no backstory. There's no history. There's no emotional connection there. So I feel like, again, it, it was, it was a big leap to make, but again, your point is well taken. And if, if our starting point is that, you know, there's this, this core, I mean, maybe that is the answer. I right? like, there's this innate core within him that is going to, to devote himself to the place and, yeah. and to helping. and, I don't know. It's like once he arrives on Earth, he's in this different environment. And, you know, maybe that's that's in part what helps to awaken this. And, yes. You know,
1: allow me to give you a real life example. I teach in North New Jersey, North New Jersey. No fucking place to play. Still was worse. Now, you know, cr- like people are getting shot pretty frequently now, which is worrying the mayor quite a bit. I have some some students that are rough and tumble. Right like one of my old students who is now a good friend of mine was a drug lookout when he was nine. It's like carjacking people with a gun at like 11 or 12, right? Product of his environment, but would also protect people who couldn't protect themselves. That's an innate thing, dude. Like, I don't think you need to be taught how to be kind. I think your barometer goes off and you're just like, something about that ain't right. And it's the weird snap. Right. Like he thought I'm going to do all these things. And he even said, I did it because of the people around me. Like I wanted to catch some stains. So I did it for the people around me, but it didn't matter what his situation was like, dude always had a golden heart. So I think that shows up regardless of what your grown up situation is.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. And I, you know, not only does that make sense, but I think, I think that almost has to be the case in these That's stories massive. and especially mm-hmm. in, in the dark side, because Again, I think I think this is where I, I feel a little frustrated with it. It's like, well, it's it, it feels like this, you know, this this light switch that just gets flipped when he gets to Earth, right? Because th- he doesn't have the history with these people, and uh, given the, what his upbringing was, it doesn't seem like that would be enough. But it would be okay, right? But if you have what you just described, I think that does help account for it. And I think you have to have that; otherwise, I I don't know. I feel like it is a lesser story then, right? But if yeah. if you're starting from that core, so. No, I mean, I, I get that. Uh, again, does it make me the ultimate Elseworlds fan? Not necessarily, no. but...
1: No, but at least that's something that even if it's implied, you could be like, okay. Like, regardless of where he is, he's always going to have a good spot. Right. And regardless of who raised him, the worst place, right? He could still turn it around and be like, yeah, but something in me tells me that none of this shit is right.
0: I also wonder... Especially for people who like really like Elseworlds and these kinds of Elseworld stories in particular, you know, I, I do think there's an argument to be made. It's one thing when he ends up a good person coming out of the Kent farm. It's like, well, you would you would hope that he would being would raised by those people. Would, right. But if you're still able to make a good choice in the end, coming from horrible circumstances, there is something very inspirational and aspirational yeah. about that. So
1: I, I I, I'm coming around. <laughs> I like you know, the fence post talks with Pa, I do, but I think he just likes to have, like now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he just likes to have those. Maybe it's like therapy for him, right? He's got to talk to somebody and, you know, and that's where he goes, like explains the situation and Pa gives him some very down home, like, you know, like, you know, well, this is, you know, who you are. And it's never like, this is nowhere, it's weird. I don't think I ever remember reading, this is who we raised you to be, but I have heard, him say or read him say, well, this is who you are, like this is what you're here to do, and I think that, I think that adds to like the humility and like the humbleness of Mon-PA, where it's never like we raise you to be better. I'm sure it was said at some point. I haven't read all Superman comics. I'm sure it's been said at some point, but I know repeatedly I have seen him say like you're this person, like this is who you are, and I think they knew that, especially if you look at the origin. Where it's like, yeah, he could have been snapping fingers and necks and shit like that, a la um, um, the movie with the kid with the red bag on. His head. Again, but right, the evil fucking Superman kid. Uh, oh, blah, Bright, uh,
0: Brightburn. Yeah.
1: Brightburn, yeah. Like he could have. He didn't. And even as a kid, like as a as a as a tween, when like kids are their meanest, right? Just never was that person. Never was that person.
0: Well, you know, you make a you make a compelling case here because. I think that is valid that the Kents are ultimately bringing out what's there. I mean, I think they right. are instilling values in him, but, yeah, of but they are. Yeah. It's not like he's just, you know, I, I, I don't know. Not, not that there's necessarily this darkness that they're trying to cure him of or right, that right. they're beating him over the head with anything. I do think, yeah, ultimately they are trying to bring out the best version of him. And so yeah. in these other stories, and, and I mean, look, in fairness, in the dark side, it's not like he lands on Earth and he's like instantly flying around know. saving people. <laughs> you know, like, I love these people.
1: Like, that's, it's not how it went,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. All, uh, no, I appreciate your take on this. I, again, I'm always, anytime I can sort of look, come at it from a different angle. And and I, I think my perspective on this has shifted a little bit. Yeah. And I do now have, I think, more of an appreciation for for these kinds of stories. And I I do get why, why they resonate with people. Now, I don't have much to say about Superman Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, once again, and I know that I guess this is becoming uh, a pattern here in this episode, but I feel like I'll rewrite it a little bit. I feel like this would have been such a, such an interest, more interesting story if he had been raised by the traveling salesman who found him. Yeah. That's, you know, what's funny because I that write, was
1: only put in as a plot mechanic later for them to find a spaceship. Like that's it. Right. Now, what's so funny to me is when I
0: read the description, and I think the description mentions being found by a salesman, or maybe I had just like read the first couple of pages. I don't know. But between the opening pages and the description, this idea that he becomes this businessman, athlete, celebrity, is found by a traveling salesman. I assume, like I assumed going into this, oh, like the traveling salesman, he's down on his luck. He finds this kid. This kid becomes his ticket.
1: Nope. Ends up hitting with a car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
0: Again I just I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I mean he ends up being adopted by the Sudermans.
1: Right. And and then later and then obviously later because of Marcus Kent his like publisher/coach and stuff like that like he changes his name which I think is really sweet and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's uh, what Dale Suderman? Like goddamn, you want to talk about a down home that fucking Dale Suderman. Like that's <laughs> that's pretty down home down home.
0: Yeah, and his his parents, you know, both pass and he's you know, he's he's raised in, in the system and he discovers this ability to play to play sports yeah and parlays that into a very lucrative career and he's very self-centered right yeah and but again he there was this moment in his past where uh he was displaying his powers to his mother and she was like you're a demon possessed and then she falls down she the stairs she and was dies
1: possessed yeah and dies yeah fucking jesus christ yeah because he uses what x-ray vision to find her glasses behind the yeah which
0: is right out of the, yeah. all of the pre-crisis origin stories like right. anytime you have the the montage of him using then, his powers it was you you know, like it oh picks yeah it up, exactly yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But she freaks out because they're obviously, you know, Bible belt, biblical people and shit. Right. And it's just like, oh, my God, you must be like a demon. She falls down the stairs and ends up dying, which I think plays into that story really well because he he's trauma based. Yeah. Because after that, he regresses. He doesn't talk to anybody until like what he makes a shot on the basketball court. He's like, oh, shit, like, I play basketball. And they're even shocked because, again, he didn't know he takes the shot from like like three quarter court. And they're like, oh, you got to come with us. And you figure, like, Superman wouldn't miss a lot of shots. Like, I don't know if you'd go 100%, but it would almost be harder for someone with super strength. Like, I don't know how light a basketball is, but considering him and Wonder Woman move the earth by fucking, you can assume he's got to tone it down qu- quite a bit in order to shoot a basketball.
0: You know, it's funny, man. I hadn't thought about that, but that's actually a good point. Out of For all of the sports... It feels like his abilities would be the least helpful in basketball.
1: Yeah. Dude, imagine dunking on someone as Superman. You turn him into paste. Yeah. Like, fuck posterizing. Like, you would turn him into pink mist. And it's weird because in Superman, what is it? One or two, like, the flick. Um, he throws a baseball, like, into the atmosphere. Like, he's on the farm, picks up the baseball, and chucks it. Imagine Superman as your starting pitcher. Dude, he would throw <laughs> it through to catch or through the ump and like, four states away. So, I guess, like... I guess basketball was the easiest. I mean, obviously, like he ends up doing football and stuff, right? He's, a, he's awesome. No, he was a, a 32 gold Olympic medalist shit. Like, yeah, of course. Like, what are you going to do? Fucking flew him with the high jump? Like, that, <laughs> that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's our initial setup here. And, you know, here too, we we, you know, we have this change of heart. There's, you know, Lex ultimately uncovers his alien origin. Yeah. Right. And... and uses that against them, which is,
1: you know, pure, pure Lex and shit.
0: Yeah. There's. An...
1: And just because he's pissed. Right. Because like he buys the land or like they agree to let him put his team's land there. And Lex just kind of like as a baby bitch the whole time. Like, it's not even like he's, he's typically what we see, like a level nine intellect and stuff like that. He's just a businessman that even tries to recruit him. So like, come pay for my team. We'll give you this, this, and this. Like, do you think he needs any of that shit? He didn't need any of that. He got his own comic. They're, they're making a fucking cartoon. Like, the dude's got everything.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And, you know, and then there's this, you know, randomly, we have John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, show up. and he's like, There's
1: other people like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know yeah. He talks
0: a little sensitive to him. And then, uh, you know, he, he return, Suderman returns to, to Kansas. And he was, like, struck by lightning while he's flying in. And he's taken yeah. in by the Kents. <laughs> and then so, once again, you have the Kents influence here sort of setting him on a better path. I out of all of the stories we read, you know, I mean the, it was great to see that Garcia Lopez art, but uh yeah, yeah, overall this this really did the least for me. I had to be honest, this was never a story that was like even on my radar. Like I have vague memories of probably seeing it at the shop, you know, back in the 90s, but right. Uh, I had never read it. I, you know, it's not one that I would particularly recommend, but is there anything else you want to say about uh, speeding um, bullets or dark side or ink before we get into the red sun?
1: I do like how he humbles himself at the end. Like he fakes leaving the planet just so he can become a reporter. Like that's that again is a return to, to, to who we know. It was like a, what if else world story of a guy with superpowers and didn't do anything with him. Right. Cause he didn't know what to do or whatever, but he knows he has these talents cause he buried them because of trauma. But I do think um as a final a parting shot i would have liked to see the traveling who was like a drunk right he turned himself like he was drinking on the road wasn't he so like he's a drunk he hits a kid the kid ends up, he, he's the miracle baby turns his life around but then you don't see that until the end like i would have liked to see like to get to there so at least at the end you're like who the fuck is that wait is that the traveling set and you've got to go like all the way back because it's such like a uh uh like um like a weak pause in the beginning, like at that point, you don't even need it. Just have him find the fucking spaceship. Like what do you even need him to? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, Superman turning people's lives around. So I guess if you look at it like that, that even in this story, he still turns people's lives around, although he hit him with a fucking car. Like maybe there's that, but I don't know. I think it was a bunch of missed opportunities there that could have been a little bit more expanded on, but maybe they just had a page requirements. Like, nah, dude, like this is all you're getting. This is a fucking single story. So we don't give a shit. Just do the best you can with it.
0: Yeah, I guess. I that's the thing. That's that's the sad thing to me about Superman Incorporated, where I really feel like that salesman was the most interesting character
1: and yeah, got the most like,
0: shortchanged.
1: Yeah, I wanted to see more of his story. Right? Because he ends up being like a motivational speaker. Like, how do you get there? Like, at least like cut down the amount of like I hit fucking 82 home runs. Like, you can still run that story, but also run this other one. So this way we kind of feel for, for him a little bit more as opposed to just literally putting him in as a placeholder so Lex can find a fucking ship? Like, I don't know. I don't know. That seems like lazy or weak writing. I'm going to call it lazy. It's definitely weak, though.
0: All right. We come now just past the hour mark, but we made it to Superman Red Sun, the story of Kalel's ship landing in the Soviet Union in 1938 and we follow this story across decades. Like I said, read it at the time, enjoyed it. Never went back to it until now. So I've read it now, you know, twice in twenty years. I did watch for the first time the, the animated movie. Uh, let me toss it to you first because I know you did a lot of okay. you did a lot of reading. I know you, you've been really into this. I mean, what what is your take on Red Sun and, and how, if at all, has it has your perspective changed?
1: Okay, I have never watched the cartoon and read the book side by side. The first time I read Red Sun, I was enthralled. I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Um, so much so that I know people can't see it, but I already took the picture. I have the Red Sun, Superman, and uh, the Wonder Woman statues with the hammer and sickle. I found a fucking communist Russia flag. Like, I have a whole background. I got the Red Sun hat on. Let me tell you something. When I come on a show for Anthony, I don't fuck around. Um, when I, so now after watching the animated version, I found I had more of a problem with the book version. Oh, interesting. A lot to the point where now I don't see them as adaptations of one another. It's called the same thing, kind of starts the same way. But I think the movie is like, I want to say the animated movie is better. They even jab at the book a couple times. Like, I don't know if you picked up on that. There was a couple times where like clear fucking jabs are thrown at what Millard did with the book. Now I'm not taking away from the book. Again, love that's what made me buy these, right? I love the book for what it was, but when I saw this, I was like, huh. Yeah, it is fucking kind of weird. Like it started to open up my eyes to different stuff. Not that I don't like it any less. I just think I like what the movie did a little bit more in kind of all aspects.
0: Oh, interesting. All right. Well, like what were some of the jabs that, that you noticed? Cause I, I didn't, okay, so I don't think they registered with me.
1: I had to write the shit down. Cause dude, I got like seven pages of fucking notes about this thing. Um, okay. So at one point, oh, it's the Lex part. So Lex says, check me at the end. Right. But in the panels, he's very malicious when he does it. Allah, whatever fuck he becomes afterwards, which he gets rid of one godlike despot and becomes one um in the book in when he says it in the movie it's heartfelt kind of like yeah i did plan for this within a point 10 percent but it kind of worked out and i made a friend sort of right and then there was the other um oh the clear shot at the book was at the end of at the end of the book lex stays he colonizes the universe or the solar system right they 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 take away sleep, dude. They take away sleep, which means he is more of a communist in essence than Superman was. Superman throughout the whole book and movie shifted. He didn't want to fight. He didn't want to beat anyone to submission. He beat everyone with argument. The only tyrannical thing technically that he did was implant those things into people's heads, but they were ruining his utopia, right? But the clear shot was, Lex stays on to the point where that fucking ending, which i never really vibed with the ending, where it's like, oh, now we're replaying it all over again. And I have a theory about that too. At the end, Lois says, what are you going to do now? And Lex says, a good man knows when to leave. And she's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, like maybe go to a desert and like hang out with the woman in my choice." Lex is so, he's a beautiful dude in this one, man. He starts off a little obsessed, but he turns into a beautiful dude. And I think the shot, is the book had him do this and this he lived to 180 and he never pushed back from the table the first thing she says is so what are you gonna do he's like a good man knows when or she's like oh i can't believe you're giving all this up he says a good man knows when to leave and like he's fucking right he's right
0: interesting okay so yeah there's a lot to unpack with red sun uh i'll say as far as Overall impressions, I think what what does really come through, I think, in both the movie and the comic is that, you know, this is not this is not a, an evil Superman story or a malicious Superman story. He is not a product of his environment and he has bought yes. into the communist ideology. He's Which ultimately like, well-intentioned.
1: Barely? Yeah, like barely communist, like communist on paper. It's like, listen, we're all going to live a great life. No one's going to be better than anybody. That's the utopia you're trying to make. Not like communism, where it's like, well, these people are going to get this and you're not going to get shit. Right. He creates communism coming off of Stalin, which dies in fucking two different ways, obviously. But it was like, he just wanted the world to be happy. And he expresses that a lot. As a matter of fact, you can even make the claim that America is the one putting out propaganda. They do it a couple times over the course of the story. Oh, he could see you from space. And I think at one point, Martha is like he can watch us like through our house and shit like that, like they're the ones putting that out. Like Russia and the superpower and, and like the whole like Warsaw Pact nations, they weren't putting out the propaganda. America was like, he's gonna come here and fucking burn everybody and everyone's like, holy shit. And now they're driven by fear. So I don't think Superman was the tyrant in that one. I don't.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I will say I, I did appreciate that, y- you know, you see the positive and negatives of both America and the Soviet Union here. It doesn't play as just like this pro-America, you know, comic or or animated movie. So I I did appreciate that. And I think that, you know, in in some respects, this reminded me of like the King of the World storyline that I've talked about before from the Triangle Era, or even Injustice to an extent of this idea, if Superman exerts his power, his influence on on a global scale like this, how... How does he do it? How does he maintain it, right? I mean, there are some, you know, some practical questions about how to do this. And, you know, in this story, like you said, the answer is, again, these devices that control right. his his dissidents. Now, right. he's not enslaving and killing people like Stalin was. So in his mind, I think he feels like he's found a better path. I think us as the audience, you know, and those who oppose him in the story recognize, well... You are essentially bottling these people and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of come, we'll come back to right. that. So, you know, it's not that he's necessarily found the right path, but is definitely coming at it from, from a well-intentioned place.
1: Yes. Which is always the case, right?
0: And as far as the differences, right? Cause I, I do think this was really interesting and I, so I watched the movie first just okay. to sort of get myself back into the red sun mode and then I, yeah. and then I read the comic and other than the ending, um, which vast difference between the two. But there, I felt like yeah, yeah, Lex, the depiction of Lex, it was like night and day between the movie oh and the comic.
1: Because it started the- off kind of similar. Yeah. But when Lois gives him the gift in the movie, you can <laughs> see the worm turning. He's like, Oh, it's beautiful. Like it's exact like like it's and and, and they're chess pieces of him. I was like that's really, and he does say the same thing in the book where he's like, oh, I'll have my secretary pick some up. But when he says it in the book, it's a big fuck you. When he says it in here, you could tell he's upset. He's fucking upset that he has to do that. Like he's genuinely upset. And the love connection between them is so dope. In the movie, in the fucking book, they can't stand each other. She even says like, I'm using them because, you know, like fucking, why wouldn't I? In the In the book- Lois gives three. Uh, I'm sorry. In the movie, she gives three reasons. <laughs> They're like, "Why did he even win him?" He says she. Uh, he supports my career. In the book, he says the planet is an eyesore. Yeah. So right away, he didn't give a shit. Two, the sex is phenomenal, which they even show the scene of like them like coitus and shit like that, which I thought well, you know it's fucking adult or whatever. And then the third one is he's gonna change the world, and it's not like he's gonna change the world because he's a prick. He's not like. He's not overly intelligent, which is another problem that looking back I had with the book. But she they genuinely care about each other. He just gets caught up and momentarily obsessed. And he has a fucking like a dope, like a completely dope redemption at the end.
0: Yes, totally. I mean, the the Lex in the comic really plays as more unhinged, especially as the story goes on. Whereas there's, yeah, a lot more. I don't know, integrity or nobility to the Lex, uh, in the movie, which, yeah, ultimately I I did prefer, I prefer the Lex in the movie for that reason. And also I think for the, the reflection that it has on Lois, right? Cause if she's with him in the movie, like you said, I think there's enough to account for what she's getting out of this relationship or like why she would stay in the right. comic. It's real, you know, it's, it's tough, right? It's like, it really does a disservice, I think, to the character of Lois.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think at first, when I read the book, I'm like, wow, Lex is really smart. Like at one point, he's playing chess against five people, learning Urdu, reading Machiavelli. And at one point, he's like, oh, I created something while I was in the bathroom. Now that I look back at it, I'm like, all they did was use in the book, all they did was use Lex's intelligence as a deus ex machina to get them out of shit. Like he just randomly shows up in Russia. And fucking Superman's, how'd you get past the defenses? I think his line was something like, oh, defenses, I thought they were um, um, uh, like ornaments or something. Like he completely plays it out. And I think the audience was just like, sure, he's that smart. But I think they overplayed it too much. I think like the playing chess, learning this. And at one point he's like, oh, uh, 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 how'd you fucking hear that? He's like, oh, I learned how to read lips like last night. Like, I think it was a little too much on the intelligence level, like just for shock value. I don't know, like what you think about how he was portrayed in the book.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think unhinged was just the word that I kept going back to. I mean, as far as the intelligence, you know, it, it didn't feel so divorced from the Lex that we've gotten before, especially in the comics. So that, that wasn't right. necessarily so off putting to me per se. I think, you know, one of the things I and I want to ask you how you feel about this. Cause I, one of the other big differences that I saw was you know, was Lois's role with respect to getting through to Superman. So in the movie, you know, she, you know, and of course Lex is manipulating all this, right. But he has Lois give Superman this information about yes. the atrocities that Stalin is committing. I want to circle back to that, but, but but right. I want to jump yes, to. Yes, that was drastically different. different. And so I want to come back to that, but in the, in the big climax, right. Of, of both stories, Superman, you know, shows up right at the White House
1: mm-hmm.
0: to invade. He's been resisting that the whole story, right? He doesn't yes. want to He doesn't invade. want to.
1: He tells Brainiac he doesn't want to.
0: Right. Uh, and then, you know, the United States sends the Green Lanterns after him and kind of like forces his hand. And he's like, okay, like now we're, we're going to do this.
1: I have to, right.
0: And he, you know, shows up with, you know, Brainiac along for the ride. And of course we'll find out that Brainiac uh, has has not been reprogrammed, and he's been, you know, uh, playing him again, the whole time, playing him the whole right. time, and they'll ultimately, you know, Superman will have to seemingly sacrifice himself to say it. Stop, Rainiac. Of course, he will will live. But anyway, in the comic, it's Lex who's ultimately able to get through to Superman
1: with this sentence that he wrote: "With weak sauce." I'm sorry, that shit was weak sauce, completely fucking weak sauce, dude. Um, I did not like how the book did it. I like how the movie did it a lot. Okay. So because, oh, oh no, good.
0: No, I was just going to say, so, you know, for anyone who needs a, a refresher, the, the, the note that he writes, and we see a little flashback of him telling Lois, like, I'm going like the, the power right. of, of words, like I'm going to like get right. at the heart of, right. uh, you know, everything he's, you know, uh, you know, afraid of within himself, something to that effect. And the, the note is, you know, why don't you just put the entire world in a bottle? Right. Right. Just like Stalingrad had been reduced to this bottled city when Brainiac first, right. uh, first appeared. Right. this And idea. in the book,
1: it wasn't even supposed to be Stalingrad. It was supposed to be the spot in Ukraine where he grew up. Oh, right. So like, right, It wasn't right, right. supposed to be that spot. Like that was the fuck up, which is when you first realize right, right, that right. that was engineered by Luther. He's like, oh, he fucked up. Like, he's, oh, he's a level 12 intelligence. He didn't even get the right fucking city. Right. That's why that shit was weak sauce at the end, because he gives him a letter about putting the world in a bottle, right? Which contradicts itself because Stalingrad, the city in the book, is attacked by like a moth that got in. Right. So he couldn't even protect the people in the bottle. So I think giving him, now Lex says, I'm going to battle you with this. And he points to his head. Brainiac already told him, listen, you would have killed yourself within what, 19 minutes? Based on his estimation, if he was talking to you, so you definitely don't want to do that. Lois coming out with the actual city and explaining the same thing, just opposite where it's like, listen, I understand you want to protect people, but this is what it ends up being. And you don't like this. So there's that. I don't think that translated over with just the letter. I think showing him the city and being like, listen, this is what you want to do because you want to protect everybody. Like I get that, but that means you got to put the whole world in one. And then, What are you going to do then? Like, what's the next step? Like, how can you do all that? And that breakdown, I get just him getting the letter that's saying from Lex of all fucking people, what are you going to put the whole world in a butt? Like it came off not genuine enough for him to have a knee shattering, break. like he gets on his knees and started crying. I'm like, really over that? Like, I think between the two Lois presenting it, not giving him a letter, but presenting it way fucking more important. So
0: I don't know ultimately where I land. I I feel like it's definitely a more emotional, impactful moment in the movie. Now, of course, you have the music, you have the vocal performances, so there's a a little bit more to enhance it. Arguing on the other side, I don't ultimately look at Red Son, right, as a Superman Lois story, but I think you very much can look at it as a Superman Lex story. And in that context, Lex being the one to deliver those words. Now, you know, whether the, you know, the letter seems silly or not, I don't know, but the fact that Lex is the one to deliver it, I do think that better honors the setup of this story as this battle between the two of them. Even though, again, I do think from an emotional standpoint, the, the lowest scene in the movie
1: is more impactful. Right. And that's why I said, I think it needs to be viewed as two different stories completely. They're both London and Russia, but it's not the same story. Like, not at all. And not like the fucking shit they did with Injustice. This was like a completely ge- le- legitimate different story. One gave you a really good feeling. The other one was like, Jesus Christ. Like, Lex pretty much manipulated everyone. And she makes mention of that. When they're saying, we got to do what Lex says, let's know what's best. Lois says, you don't realize we're all just chess pieces that he's moving around a board. But like the chess symbolism kind of comes back a lot. She knew in the book, she didn't want to be around. Like she didn't want anything. Like she's the one who's calling him out. Like, listen, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're obsessed with this. And in the book, he I mean, in the movie he does too. But in the book, there's like these little things that take take over his entire life. Right. So I think Lex delivering those words in person would have had more of an effect, but the delivery would have been different. Like it wouldn't have been an emotional moment. In the movie, it works as an emotional moment. In the book, it couldn't be an emotional moment. I just don't think the letter does it for me. Like the handwritten letter, where it's like, I'm going to stop him in one sentence. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. They didn't really do it for me.
0: I, I hear you. And then, you know, the, w- one of the other big things, which we were, we were getting at a second ago, is in the movie, you get this, you know, very, I think, powerful sequence, right? Lois gives Superman information about what Stalin has been up to, how he's been dealing yes. with dissidents. Right. And Superman follows that trail to this, you know, prison camp and he finds Svetlana, his friend from, or Lana Lang, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, his his friend from the collective where he grew up. Right and you know in her death throes you know she's saying uh you know that be the
1: person to save everybody right exactly like that's what you said the strong you, said. you know the yeah.
0: strong lead and you're the strongest one there is and
1: right and he goes and kills stalin yeah laser eyes straight up and then they come in and that guy pyotr the the illegitimate son of stalin has no play in the movie they just lifted him right out which honestly you didn't really need him in the fucking first place. Like he was just kind of like there as like a, a whisper maybe, but, but Superman never, I keep going to say Clark. He was not even Clark in that one. Um, Because when the guards come in, they're like, all right, what's next? Like you were clearly more powerful. You didn't like it. What are we going to do now? And that's why the, the making of a utopia made a little bit more sense in the movie.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say like that. That to me was so much more effective than in the comic where, you know, Stalin dies. He's been poisoned. Poisoned. Yeah. Right. And then Superman, you know, is first he's reluctant, but then he ultimately assumes the leadership role.
1: He's pretty reluctant the whole fucking time. He's like, dude, I'm not a, he keeps saying it. I'm not a politician. Like, I don't want to deal with politics. I just want to help people. Like he keeps saying that he says it, I think once or twice in the movie, but I remember on page 70 page 47 of book 2 it finally says Superman started to tighten his grip. It's a fucking 3 issue series which means he didn't start getting like iron-fisted in terms of hey look we're going to do it this way till the till till 5 pages at the end of the second book so I definitely did see but in the movie he was more very stoic in the beginning. Then we see a change in the movie. He's kind of like the same way the whole time. Like, yeah, hey, you know, he makes the speeches, but he's genuinely a nice dude. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, I think that I really think that, that, that revelation he has in the movie, right. When he, when he finds right. Svetlana and she's dying and, and then he confronts and kills Stalin. I think that better sets up the rest of the story yeah. than the comic does, because it shows I guess it shows his line, like where the line is. Like this is not right to him. That that you know that these people would be you know imprisoned and starved, right? And so right. even though he employs violence in that moment to kill Stalin, right. moving forward, you know that's not that's that certainly justifying. not going to be his right. You know right. that's not going right. to be the way he operates. And but he he you know is going to be <laughs> reprogramming people. He is definitely crossing a line, but I think. Ha- being able to see Superman see the violence and 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 see, you know, that, that prison, you understand why he doesn't view those brain devices as the same thing, as being right. as bad.
1: Even exactly. though
0: we're watching it and it's like, oh man, you're going way too far here. This is not right.
1: Yeah, but I think at one point he even says, he's like, well, they're happier now. Like <laughs> we can integrate them back into society. Right. Remember, these are people that are like blowing shit up. Like, they're not like, what are you going to do? Lock them up. So he's like, listen, the best thing we could do now is. But he's also not a scientist either. So he's like, how can we do this? He's like, we're going to fit him with these things. Call it a fucking day. Like, and he says he's not a politician. So like, what's his alternative? Like, he doesn't want to use internment like uh, the prison camps. We already know that, which are really prominent in the animated version. Yeah. Um, I don't think they appear at all in the book, did they? I don't think so. No. No. Actually, the only thing that looked like that was when he goes down to fight Batman. Like that was the only part. But like, he didn't know how to handle that. He says it all the time. He's like, I'm not a politician. So like, he has this technology to rewrite someone's brain. So fucking use it.
0: I feel like you're more for- more forgiving of these brain devices than than I am. I like.
1: <laughs> um. No. So yes, but no, right? Yes, because I don't think he understood the difference between building a utopia and forcing people to do stuff. It was like these people are gonna continue to hurt my people unless I do something. The alternative is killing them. Or putting them in a camp and you don't want to do that.
0: And well, kind of on that note, I mean, I'm not, you know, I took all my history classes and everything, but I don't purport to be an expert on communism or, right. or socialism or, or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, do you think that this is a this is an instance of his upbringing and the ideology that he learned coming into play, like this idea yeah. of this collective and everyone being together. So, you know, brainwashing people, reprogramming them it doesn't necessarily right. sit poorly with him because he feels like, well, now we're all now one we're perfect. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think that's where his version of communism comes in, right? Like it even says in both mediums, there's no more hunger. Everyone has a house. Everyone's got food. And the role that Svetlana plays in the in the book is way different. He sees her on a food line. Right. And he's like, holy shit. He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, we're starving. Like, no one's got any food. So he gives her, like, a job, which she's not fucking qualified for, but she gives him a friend. But, like, he gives her a job to take care of her because he recognizes that. In in the movie, she's put there, and he's like, what are you even doing here? She's like, they put me here because I knew you before. And the person that, like, you could be, like, they didn't, like, they wanted to just rewrite him completely, like, brainwashing him. So if that's the only thing he knew, especially in the book, like, of course he would fucking do it to other people. Right. Because he thinks it's the, because he thinks it's the right thing to do. Not because he's like, well, fuck these people. He's like, listen, I got to protect people. This is how I'm going to do it. I genuinely think he was in the right. I don't think it was a tyrant. Like, we view it as a tyrant move. I don't think he did.
0: Yeah, again, I, I do think as far as what his intentions are, what he thinks is right. Yeah, he's right. not coming at it from, you know, from a a, a place of malice or anything like that, regardless right. of what the effect ends up being. How did you feel about the treatment of Wonder Woman between the two versions of the story? Very yeah. different.
1: Um, Well, so in the book, obviously, for people who didn't read it, uh, she comes kind of the same way. She's like, oh, men are starting to do the right thing. But she brings a to. And, like, they all kind of, like, hang out and shit. And, like, they go to dinners, and she was, like, the relationship in the comic is very, we're business partners. There's love, but they're business partners. Like, they like to take pictures with each other. In the movie, it goes way deeper. And I think I like the Wonder Woman in the movie better. The one in the story, she does make moves against him. Because in the fight with Batman, Batman even calls her Diane. He's like, What are you doing? So apparently, they made some sort of deal that he had to go. He had to go. He's ruining shit. The Amazons recognize it. He's got to go. I like her in the movie because during the climactic scene, or during one of the fights with the Green Lanterns, which I don't even know what the fuck they had them in there based on what happened, or tell Hal Jordan's backstory. Like, that made no sense to me. She comes down now, fully fucking rejuvenated with a great look. Right, dude, I dig that white and the gold and shit like that. And she's like, listen, I'm gonna give you guys another opportunity. Stop, stop. If you stop now, we can work with each other to fix this. Both sides say no. Superman tries to attack her and in probably one of the pimpest moments ever, she makes him look like a bitch because she catches his hand. Like, she's like, that was your last straw. Amazons are never coming back. We're out. Um, And I also like her, like, He tries to kiss her in the movie. And she goes, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I thought that's what we had to do because he doesn't know any better. She's like, listen, I come from an island with all women. And she raised her eyebrows like, what do you think that means? And he goes, oh, thank God. Like he's relieved. Yeah. Like he's relieved. Like he doesn't want that relationship. So I did like the. I think the one in the the movie was more likable, obviously. But I think she played more of an important role too, at least for the positivity of
0: it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, in the in the book, I mean, I know you say they were business partners, but I mean, they, you know, she's clearly this unrequited feeling yes. that she has uh-huh. for him. And yep. I, I'm i glad that they did away with that for the movie. I think that yeah. elevated her character. I, I think yeah. having her be this, you know, uh, unacknowledged, you know, romantic interest in the comics is, is yes, is, is, is weaker.
1: Right. And it, it doesn't it's fle- like she wouldn't do that. Like, that's why I like the one in the movie better. Well, she comes from an, she just showed up from an island of women. Like, what the fuck is she going to be like? I love you for like, it's like the Steve Trevor thing we were talking about. She's known him for four seconds. And she's like, we got like, that didn't make like, yes, there was a a, a static, right? Like a love static. I just don't think it should have been there. Like it was just oddly placed. And she breaks her rope because he tells her to. In the comic. Yeah. In the movie, he doesn't say that. She does it because now she's sick of both of them. Right.
0: And in the comic, after she breaks the lasso, she's like, her brain is like fried for a second and she's like really having a hard time. And Superman does not even acknowledge that. He just starts talking about like Lex.
1: Yep. And he gets, and she gets really sick. Like I think a couple panels, they show her like in a bed. Like she's, she's like deteriorating because her soul is attached to the lasso. Um, Yeah, but I think, so I like them both because everyone knows Wonder Woman's my shit, right? But I think the one in the movie is perfect for the movie. I think the one in the book is probably perfect for the book. Cause like I said, I'm viewing them. I'm not even comparing them. I'm identifying the differences between them and I'm viewing them as two completely different things. Gotcha.
0: Now I think the biggest difference other than the depiction of Lex is the ending. And that was one of our patron questions. Brian asked, you know, which, which ending do we prefer?
1: The Okay. Wait, the, the comic before comic we get or the there, movie? yeah, before we get there, I've been waiting to ask this from you because I jumped up so fast the other night. I started telling Sarah about this and God bless her. She does what you kind of did to Ralph or like she lets me nerd out and shit like that. And I'm like, ah, thank God. And she's like, babe, you're so fucking cute. What'd you think about Batman? I,
0: yeah, I enjoyed this take well enough. I The, the idea of him being this, you know, rebel freedom fighter, you know, uh, yeah, I, it felt in, key, I mean, look, we've talked about this before, you know, when it comes to, you know, pitting Superman and Batman against each other and Superman being the government stooge and, you know, Batman being the symbol of freedom oh, and no. resistance, uh, you know, is that my favorite take on the dynamic? No, not really. But I think in the context of this, uh, it it worked well enough. I like the look of, uh, right. uh, of Red Son Batman. Yeah, I didn't have right. such a strong reaction i guess but i thought it it accomplished what it needed to in the story well i would okay
1: you? you might now because i'm about to drop what i think is a bomb right that wasn't batman that was a guy in a batman suit that was the joker he was the joker in every scene in most of the panels he's smiling when they go down to his thing he's like kind of hokey he's got all those little things that they're smiling he tells the people You have 10 minutes to get out, blows it up after 10 seconds. When he drops the fake doll in the book, it's got a smile on it. He even says we're agents of chaos. That is fucking Joker all day, every day. If, if in the book, right, Superman's utopia does not need a vigilante because it doesn't, right? Joker's uh, uh, Batman slash Joker's whole crew now becomes the people trying to upheave it for no fucking reason. The one in the movie is a little bit more redeemable because when he locks them in, he's like, "Now my people could take our country back." The other fucking Batman was like, "Fuck everybody," and I was like, "That's not even Batman. Like that is the Joker in a Batman fucking outfit." That's what I picked up from it.
0: Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting take. Uh, yeah, especially in the comic for sure. Because isn't he blowing up buildings, like buildings with people? Blow, in it, well,
1: right? so in both he blows up both buildings in the in the in the In the movie, it's assumed that people get out um, and other stuff does start to blow up, but there's no Superman flying... In the book, there's no Superman flying down and seeing dead bodies. We don't see any dead bodies. As a matter of fact, he spends most of his time running and then he disappears. In the fucking movie, he hijacks a helicopter and he's shooting shit all over the place. But I think as an agent of chaos, someone that is against the system... And not as a vigilante, because technically Superman is the law. Right. So no one's breaking any fucking laws. They're the ones breaking the laws. In both mediums, he calls himself chaos. And in almost every scene that you look at, he's got a fucking smile on his face. I think they tried to create this Batman where in that world, Batman would need to be the Joker. In a utopia where he wants everything to flip over, Batman now becomes the Joker under the sign of this is justice to him. Right. Our Batman doesn't have to do that. I saw that fucking duality and I was like, holy shit. Like there's a reason why he's smiling and everything in the, in the movie. He doesn't fucking do it as much. Cause he's a little bit more serious about what he's trying to do in the comic. He's kind of like, hunched over and he's laughing and there's a little pig that says like something beef or whatever, that's got a smile on it. He passes something else with a smile on it. I think that was like engineered to be like in a perfect world, someone who wants the, the dissidents to take it back is fucking Joker. It's completely fucking Joker. Just in a Batman suit. Like that's what I pulled from it. And as a, an, as an English teacher, I always tell my guys, anything can be true as long as you back it up with evidence. Someone else can disagree with you, but I think there's strong evidence to think that at least in his mind, while putting together that story and putting, to, especially the story, he becomes the agent of chaos that the world needs because he thinks that they do. He's not fighting crime. There is no crime. So what is he fighting? The authoritarian system.
0: He's the hero they need, but not the one they deserve. Right, dude? But, fucking it fucking yeah, That's interesting. I like that take. I mean... Now although on the other hand you look at Dark Knight returns or Batman v Superman the line we were always criminals right but yes i there's something to be said for that and maybe as you were saying that i was like well depending on how you view the the Batman Joker dynamic right are are they are they two sides of the same coin right? right and so in a certain context like this one yeah maybe are there aspects or methods of the Joker that a quote unquote Batman might employ because they to are- To work in that situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Counterpoints
0: to each other. Very interesting. No, I, I appreciate that take.
1: Um, And I do like the, the nod to Miller, and I do like the nod to, well, it was pre-Snyder, but in the book, Batman's in that iconic pose dragging Superman and giving the same speech. Instead of like, men are strong, men are powerful. He's like, we're not your ants. Like, you're not above us. Essentially, men are strong, You're fucking strong just because you came from a different planet. But that iconic, like dragging him by the cape, which we've seen over and over again, I like that nod. I do. I do. I like that nod. Because even though it was for a different reason, I do like that image. Because we've seen it so many times before because it really is an iconic moment. For sure.
0: All right. Shall we talk the ending? All right. So in both stories, it seems that Superman has died saving the world from Brainiac. But rather he lives and he assumes his traditional reporter garb. Right. And, you know, in both stories, there's a brief moment where like, well, maybe Lois sees him, maybe she doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and Lex becomes president. Now that's essentially where our animated movie
1: yes. leaves off here. Whereas- yeah, and then he looks at her, he yep. disappears through the, o- so Superman shows up, he ends up living, shows up as a reporter. Um, Lois sees him in the crowd, she smiles because they had a good relate. Like at least a good relationship like near the end when she realized what was going on, she puts a smile on, she got purple eyes, which I always thought was cool. It was like very star sapphire, as, as almost like she's motivated by love in the, in, in the movie. She really was, Well like the love of people, love of her husband, love of her relationship. So I thought the purple eyes to me was symbolic of that star sapphire. Uh, lilt. um, so I did, I did like the ending of the movie for what it was. Now let's have you explain the ending of the fucking book.
0: I mean, it's so it sounds like you're not a fan of the ending of the book.
1: I am, but it hit different this time than it did originally. Gotcha.
0: So in the comic, we follow, and you had laid out a lot of this earlier, but we follow the history of Earth centuries down the line. Yeah. To the point that the sun has become red yes. and descendants and of
1: Luther. Luther. That's why it's L, right? Right.
0: We find out that Jor-El is actually a descendant of Lex Luthor right. and has failed to convince the ruling council of Earth that the it planet is doomed. Right. And he and his wife send their infant in a rocket back in time to mm-hmm. 1938 Soviet Union with the hope that he'll be able to change the course of history and set Earth on a better
1: path. Now, so wait a minute. Yeah. Did, I might have read it wrong. So I got to check. So you you keep going, but I got to find something because I could have swore to God that was written in a different way. I thought she said, oh, if we send him there, the sun is still yellow. And they didn't know what was going to happen. Not that they were sending him back in time, but they were sending him to. Earth. So what does it say? Because I may have read it wrong.
0: So she said, or actually, uh, it's actually JorEl. So, uh, Lara talks about the Yellow Sun and how he'll be different, and it, it, it's, it's the traditional dynamic where JorEl's okay. like he'll be a god to them. He doesn't use those right. words, but that's the idea. And then JorEl, in his final panel, says goodbye, my son. Go back and change the world so that we might not become this cold, complacent lot. Go back okay. and bring a little light to our lives again.
1: I don't think that meant go back in time it could be the case that it was i think he knows that they're going back to earth to try and fix it again like that's what i think so i don't think it was a time thing i don't the way i saw it was in the book i i originally liked it because it was a twist at the end i did think it was an like an odd twist like what the fuck is that even doing there until when I reread it and I thought she said, but the sun there is still yellow. Right. And he was like, right, there'll be a God to these people. A la the first conversation that they had, I don't think it was time. I think they went so far into the future that they were literally sending him to Earth that they left, right? It's not even on Earth anymore. Like they go inhabit the fucking universe. I think what what Malar was trying to say was when you put the power. From a godlike creature into a man, that man becomes a god. He cures cancer. Uh, he said there was no more AIDS. People don't need to sleep. He actually takes all the politicians and generals and he makes them like artists and artisans and stuff like that. Like he right. he he completely rewrites everything. Now we're talking thousands of years into the future, so much so that we're in fucking Deep Space Nine. Right? right. Their 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 planet is about to blow up, like it has before. So the way I saw it was man is fucked up so bad that at the end they had to send him to another planet because they forgot what happened thousands of years ago. So essentially what I picked up from it is they have to live this cycle until they get it right. Like that's how I saw it instead of back in time, right? Because wouldn't they know that the sun was yelling, like she brought it up like, Oh, yeah, we can't send him there. The sun is 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 yellow. Like, wouldn't they know that if they were sending him? Like, wouldn't they have all the information about what happened the first time to fucking send him back? Like, why were they even sending him there? Because typically we'd assume that it was still a utopia, right? He cured all diseases and stuff. So why send him there to try and fix it?
0: Because the planet's going to die.
1: Right, but why send him back to Earth if, Earth, if there's nothing wrong with it? Right. So, like, they know their planet's going to die. I think they're on Earth, though. I, I mean, I. Wait, I want to sure I, I no, make sure I want to make sure I get. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think they're fucking with it being cyclical. Right. I think everything has become a giant circle. And what Malar was trying to say at the end. And I mean, I could be wrong. Like, I've never looked it up before. I have a tendency not to do that because I want to just like pick it apart and analyze it for myself. I think they started on Earth. Then it said that they colonized the solar system. So now they went deep out, right? They went so far out that it retold the origin that we already saw in the beginning with who we thought was jor and his wife, which happened now to have the same name as his parents. So I saw it as... For some reason, the big twist is they live just in this universe that continues to to revolve and do the same thing over and over again. That's how I saw it.
0: I, I mean, as far as the cyclical aspect, I don't disagree with that. But I, I mean, to me, the, the yeah, the, I don't know. I mean, the, to me, the twist has always been that they send him back to the past of Earth, like that they're on Earth and they send him back to the past of their of their planet
1: I I don't know, but now that we're in this fucking conversation, I'm fucking digging the shit out of it, but like if they knew that it started there, right, like the Luthers are very prideful, right? It all started with Lex, it ended with Lex, then he before he died, he colonized colonized the universe before he died. Right, So, so wouldn't they know that our Earth was ground zero for this thing? So why would they send them back? Like, if you send them back, isn't it doing the same thing you send them back in time and then you're still going to get to the same point anyway.
0: So, okay. Well, first let me say that it does seem like they are I think they are on Earth because Dorel says, I gave them firm, substantiated evidence that the Earth is on the brink of collapsing into our own sun. Okay. And they merely think that the planet because it's is red. shifting its orbit. Right. right. The planet okay. like the sun has turned from yellow to red. Um okay. so they send him they so they sent to you know, to save him, right? They send him back to when the sun was yellow and he, you know, wouldn't just survive but thrive there. I mean, I, I think I, I think I get what you're saying, right, of, but I think the, I don't know, I think maybe the idea is that they've sent him back so far and no one, maybe because of, of the way communist Soviet Union was set up, it's like there aren't, like, I don't think Jorel and Lara know that this communist dictator who disappeared centuries ago is the one that they sent back. I think that's been like lost to time.
1: But then it still is a giant start over again. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, no, I think for sure. That's yeah, one of yeah, the yeah. main points yeah, yeah. that's being made is like they came to the same conclusion that they did originally. But the thing that throws me off is did they say at the beginning of the series that it was the same two? Like it, in name wise, if we go all the way back. Actually, I got the digital version. So I'll check. Um, what do you mean the same two? His parents, right? Yeah. Do we see, because again, it's been like all the way back in the beginning, is it Jorel? We don't see his landing. Like it just starts I with- I swore to God in one of them. Okay, all right. So yeah, then- I mean, right. it
0: just starts with, uh, you know, uh, Perry calls Lois and he's oh, like, hey, yeah, that's there's right. this okay. big story that's breaking. So we don't, it, yeah, it's not a, like we don't see the beginning. Like we don't see Jorel and Mar okay. putting a baby in the rocket or anything like that. And I just,
1: yeah. I like to think that They're stuck in this loop. Yeah, I think that's fake. Yeah, yeah. I think because technology, they they, they cure everything. They can't cure what's going on. So I think to bring it back there, even if you don't show the origin story in the beginning, I think bringing it back to something that we know happens just means that they're going to let the spaceship go. It's going to land back in fucking Russia and the whole thing's going to happen all over again and eventually lead to that point. Right. And it's going to happen again and lead to that point because nothing, like, I think the ending shows that nothing is going to change. Even if it's sending them back to the past or sending them to Earth at that time, I think they're just going to keep reliving the same shit over and over again. And that's why I like it as a twist. I like that twist because it's like, fuck. Like, that's, but it goes in line with the story. Like, it tracks with the story. The story is very depressing.
0: No, I think the the tragedy of the ending that, yeah, this we've we've seen what happens when this child lands when and where he does. Right. We see the ultimate outcome. So sending him back and hoping for, you know, a a different result. I I agree. I think that cyclical, cyclical aspect is there. The other thing about it that that I think is really interesting is. One of the things that keeps coming up, I mean, I guess particularly from Lex, is this idea that an alien shouldn't be exerting his will on the world. Right? You're not from here. You're not an alien. Right. Well, or or you are an alien, but it's like, no, he's not actually. (laughs) He's human. Yeah. And you know, Um, you sort of, I guess, the question I have is like, well, if if it was known, right, that he wasn't an alien, he was of Earth. I mean, from Lex's perspective, I don't think he would want anyone except himself to have that authority. So I think he still would have gone the way he did. But, right. you know, you wonder, it's like, would would Superman as global dictator been, ha- been better received? And if it had, might the ultimate outcome been different, right? It's like the fact um, that he's an alien, you know, ends up being this, you know, seems to be a big piece of why he needs to be ousted, right? But- we don't know what would have happened had he stayed on and would the earth have, you know, ultimately perished.
1: Or, I mean, you can't, because it's open-ended, you can say that when they sent him, he ends up on our earth, like not that one, right? Like they sent him to an unknown planet that they also call earth or whatever the fuck it is. And that's how we get our Superman. Like you you think about it that way, that's why I like the ending just in general. Like it's an extra twist that no one fucking saw coming. Like no one saw that coming. It's well, you started to in the late pages because it turned to uh, Lex Luther and then Lex Lou and then Lex L. And I'm like, holy shit, no, they're not. So I thought it was good. Like I still think it's cool. I just thought that to have it there, it didn't. I liked it because it was a twist, but it wasn't necessary, as we saw in in the movie. Like, it didn't have to be there. It could have just ended where it ended with him being a fucking reporter and stuff. Like, I don't think it had to. I like that they added it, but um, because it does add the wrinkle of, like, oh, shit. Like, are they just restarting all over again? And I like that depression of it where it's, like, all he tried to do was help. Now he's going to get a second shot, but it's going to happen the same same way over and over again. Like, that's that's hell.
0: Yeah. No, I think that it was a great ending. And to Brian's question, and and I, I will diverge from you here no i i i think that was the failing of the movie i I mean i think it's still enjoyable as it is but i i mean and i don't know i guess this is a matter of perspective you know what when you look back on the red sun comic you know what really stands out what resonated the most and you know for me that ending i mean like that to me is what you know the the initial setup the setting of a Superman story in the Soviet union. Like that's a great hook. And yes. you know, you get the, the costume and you know, the Supergirl TV show, they did their own take on that, yep. with the red daughter storyline and, and all that. But you know, so it's, it's it, a great hook, but I think it's that ending that cemented this as the, the classic that it's become. No,
1: but that's what I'm saying. It did, especially because of that. Otherwise it would just be hey, it's a great story. It's a great read adding that and keeping that door open. Is enough to like brain fuck you. As a matter of fact, I'll throw an extra one in there. What did Lex call the Phantom Zone? Do you remember? Oh, I... in the book, he calls the Phantom Zone Purgatory. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very Dante because in Purgatory, in Dante's Inferno, it's boring. There's just nothing there. It's a bunch of poets and like unbaptized kids just hanging out. They're not tortured like in every other circle, but it's just like a fucking place that you go to hang out. And that's where he creates the gateway to go from one place to the other when he's up in the fucking ship. So I think the religious, uh, I think the religious message of like this godlike figure trying to make everything perfect, to have it fucked up by man and now be stuck in this cycle, I think it is very much hand in hand with uh, uh, a Dante or like a Milton kind of like playing like You know satan as the hero because he just wants to be treated like man and it turns out that man will just fuck things up over and over again so i like dipping into it that way because like i said i have a literature background so when i see something like that i'm like holy shit!" he calls the faith he and he says oh no you call it whatever you want we call it purgatory but it's all could also be called the phantom zone and that's not in there for no reason it's not because there's nothing going on there
0: yeah no i'm glad you brought that up yeah I think with that ending, it's it's a great twist. The fact that Superman is a descendant of, of Lex, right. you know, puts a, a fun spin on it. And again, I think just the, the, the cyclical tragedy and the fact that, again, so much is made about the fact that this alien shouldn't be
1: ruler of the world. Right. But then the human becomes one. Like the human, like Lex essentially gets superpower space travel lives to 180 cures all these diseases. Like they get rid of one superpowered being and create basically a planet of them that they don't need to sleep. They don't need to work. They've cured all diseases. So it makes sense that the people who give them away are more powerful than the people that they're giving him to. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that to me makes that ending of the book. Perfect. I don't think that ending would have worked in the movie. I don't think the movie ending would have worked in the in the book. Now that I think about it, I think they're perfect as separate standalones.
0: Interesting. It's I guess that, like, to hear you describe the, like, what becomes of Earth and the solar system in the comic. I, I guess I didn't see it in in as negative a way. Like, I didn't see it as like, oh, Lex becomes you know, what what he was warning against. Cause it seems, and you know, Superman himself is narrating it and it seems like it's good. Like it's, it's positive. We don't have people who are brainwashed. So I, so I don't know. I I, I guess I think about that in the context of the, I think the you know, more favorable depiction of Lex that we get in the movie. Yeah. And could that still have worked? That's
1: a, yeah, yeah.
0: So I I don't know. I I guess maybe that's a matter of, of perspective. I just feel like, I, if they, not that the story has to have a twist ending, but I just feel like it's such an iconic part of the story Absolutely, and I felt like that was missing, but overall, you know, I enjoyed both versions. I do think that the, the the movie was very strong and I think in the ways that it, most of the ways it diverged, I think it largely did improve. And, uh, so yeah, I would definitely, if anyone hasn't checked
1: it out yet, I do recommend it. I mean, definitely check out both of them. Like, but watch them separately. Like, don't compare. Like, it's like we hear at AA meetings, right? Don't compare, just identify. Because they're fun. Both of them are great, regardless of the fact that they both exist. Like, I think they did a good job with this instead of what they did with Injustice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. they swung and missed with that, but hit a home run with this one because you you took the same property, but you told the story in two completely different ways, which I think is fucking awesome. Um, Real quick, what do you think about Bizarro? Because I think that plays on the Superman always being good thing. So what do you think about the two incarnations of Bizarro? Yeah, I mean this... Or 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 Superior Man, which we know is fucking bizarro.
0: Right. Uh yeah, I mean I was gonna say I always love Bizarro. I don't always love Bizarro, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> but uh I, I think it, it worked well here. What I what I did like about the comic, I think more so than the movie, is this idea that Lex has been creating this like entire rogues gallery. Yeah, You know, we see power, like Parasite or maybe Metallo. I, I forget exactly
1: everyone we see.
0: Uh, Doomsday. Do,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That led me to another point where Lex beat Doomsday. He can't beat Superman, which makes me believe that, like he said, like a chess game, he knew all this stuff was going to happen. And that's what he meant by checkmate at the end. Come on, dude. They can tame Doomsday and then make him go fight Superman, but they can't beat Superman? Like that just doesn't track with me. But anyway, good. Sorry. yeah.
0: No, and then I was just gonna say I, I did like that. So many of the the traditional trappings of the Superman mythology, like the Bottle City, like some of these villains, yep. like the Fortress. You know, we we see even you know the departure from quote unquote Krypton. You know, you, right. you you get to see them, uh, which I guess I mean you could say is a staple of these Elseworlds stories generally. But I feel like this one did it a particular good job, particularly mm-hmm. good job of sort of weaving in. A lot of those things, but in the context of the story, you know, a Batman Superman face off like you got a lot of the, yeah. uh, you know, if you made a, a checklist, like some iconic, you know, settings yeah, and yeah. dynamics and things like that, they, they were all at play. But yeah, no, the the Superman being or the, you know, the Superman deterrent, aka Bizarro yeah. uh, being sent after him. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it worked.
1: And I like that the Superman Bizarro in the comic is the one that saves them from the missile because they still make him from Superman's DNA, which which leads back to he's always going to be a good person. doesn't matter how corrupt he is. Like you can't corrupt that aspect. Um, I felt really bad for the one in the movie. Like that was tough to what, like I knew it was a cartoon, but like they keep jacking him up and he starts to sound like Bizarro. Yeah. Um, And then he melts. And then even Lois was like, what the fuck are you doing? He was like, it's just so I can put fear in his eye. Like I think he said, "Uh, I saw something I'd never seen before fear. I don't think it was fear. I think it was compassion. Like, I think Lex saw it as fear, but like Superman had a really tough time. Like he tries to pick him up and he asks him what's wrong. Like you just fought each other. And he's like, what's wrong? Like, what are you feeling? Like, I just like both of those. Like, I thought they were both really, really well played in terms of how they would treat each other.
0: Well, kind of on that note, and I mean, this would be a nice you know, a nice bit to end on, yeah. I think in both stories, a scene that really encapsulates, I think what we've been getting at over the course of now two hours about the, the ultimate core of the character, regardless of who he's raised by or, or which ideology he subscribes to, you know, when he saves the falling satellite, uh, which is on a, a collision course with Metropolis, right? This is right. not his country. These are not his people. Based on the propaganda that America has been putting out there, this is the last yeah. thing that the Soviet Superman would do. Yet he's there to help regardless
1: of ideology, regardless of border. So, And regardless of if it fell or if it was programmed to folks in the book, pro- Lex programmed it to fall. Right. In the movie, it just fell. And he still showed up because he wanted to help. So like I said, either way. No, I think,
0: I think Lex, the- but in the co- in the movie too, right? He was talking to the president. He's like, permission to drop a satellite,
1: right? I don't know. I think that was in the book, but now I think it's because i watched both of them, um, but the part that was taken out of the book, I think it was in the book, the little kid with the red balloon. Yeah. I like that kid. Cause he's like, so what do you plan on doing? And Superman's like, I want to help people like that in there was like the first time he was like, Oh dude, that's just Superman. Like that's our Superman just raised in a different place. Like every, like all the rest of the stories that we had to go through today, which is why I think it was a perfect group yeah. again. Well done by you for your choices.
0: Listen, I appreciate you coming along for this ride, doing all this I homework, sharing names. your take. It was a lot of fun. I always look forward to when we're able to do these. So thank you very much. Thank you, audience. Always appreciate you tuning in. This is the conclusion of our Superman Reimagined event. A pair of uh, very interesting episodes coming up over these next couple of weeks where we sort of look back to uh, some of the the beginnings of, of uh, Superman adaptations. So next week, I'll be joined by Tyler from the Krypton Report podcast. We'll be talking about the Kirk Allen movie serials. And then the week after that.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep.
0: Very. I already recorded that. And I also recorded the one after that. I know I listened
1: to that one. (laughs)
0: I'll be be joined by uh, Grant from the Truth, Justice and Hope podcast. We'll be talking about the Clan of the Fiery Cross uh, radio story, as well as the recent Superman Smashes the Clan comic book story that was based on the radio show. Uh, So a couple of really interesting episodes coming up. I hope you will tune in for those. As always, it's about what you do. It's about action. The spinoff podcast, Digging for Justice, a DC fan journey, is available now exclusively at patreon.com slash Desiato, starting at the $1 level. New episodes release monthly, and many more rewards are available too, including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.